Hi everyone, thank you for tuning into Unapologetically Different with Key and Pierre. We have an exciting show ahead, but before we start, Pierre, how's your day going? My day is going great. I got back from vacation last week, and to be honest, I was out of it. I really wasn't back in work mode. I wasn't ready to get back to reality, and it took me about a week to kind of readjust. So yeah, I'm back, I'm ready, and I'm ready to do this. Let's let's go. Okay, I'm glad to know that. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Um, my starting off my week, I'm trying to remain really positive with work, um, but I'm doing pretty good. I'm actually looking forward to this week, even though we have a snowstorm tomorrow, so I'm not sure how that's going to pan out. I really wish I could be on vacation, but I look forward to that in the near future. All right, guys, now we're going to get into our show and talk about one of the first topics we're going to discuss is the movie Get Out awesome movie (laughs) it was such a great movie like the funny thing about it was i wasn't planning on seeing it when i seen the trailer because i was like this first of all i'm not into horror movies like because i feel like a lot of horror films they lack acting abilities because it's like it's a balance you have like numerous deaths and blood gushing everywhere and it's minimal acting and it kind of works for people so when I seen the trailer, I was like, I'm not seeing it. And I was like, from the trailer, I was like, it just seemed like a black dude being kidnapped by white people. I was like, I, I'm definitely not seeing this. Like, I was like, I just did not really have a care in the world to see it. But then I've heard so much great things about it. Um, and there's a lot of, like, think pieces surrounding the film. So I definitely went out to go see it, which I'm really excited about. I 100% wanted to see it when I saw the trailer. I'm, like, really big into action movies and romantic comedies. Yes, I am single, ladies. But when I (laughs) saw it, I was just like, this might actually happen to me one day. So I I should check this out to to see what it's all about. And I wasn't disappointed at all when I saw it. It was funny. I felt like I was on a roller coaster ride. And just as a disclaimer... If you guys haven't seen the movie, you should not listen to this episode until (laughs) afterwards because we're definitely going to dive into it a little bit and just talk about some things that stood out that interest us in the movie. So I'm giving you a chance to run away now. So three, two, Two, one. one. Okay. So like a brief synopsis of the movie. Um, A young man portrayed by Daniel Kaluuya. He's in a relationship with a white woman who's portrayed by Allison Williams. And they were dating for about four months in the movie, and they're planning a trip to go up to visit her parents for the weekend. You know, normal new relationship stuff. And right in the beginning of the movie, they kind of hint at the fact that Allison never shared with her family that the, the boyfriend is black. And he was a little uncomfortable about that, but rightfully so (laughs) by the time (laughs) so yeah when they get up to the parents house things were a little off and a little yeah (laughs) (laughs) bruh and long story short all hell breaks loose and yeah I don't want to spoil it too much that's fine I'll do that for you (laughs) it's not a problem darling um What I truly enjoyed about this movie, I don't want to get too in-depth into it, but primarily is that a lot of think pieces came out surrounding this film, which I thought was very interesting. Because 
occasionally you have a film, one or two, somebody write a little synopsis about it or they will say like their take on it and then people will comment and kind of go back and forth. But I feel like ever since I've seen this movie, like every other day or every week, someone's writing up something about it. And like the key points and messages that were made in the film that I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even see it like that. Like it's to the point that I want to see it again because of all the think pieces I've read and kind of go back into that with that mind frame and connecting the dots, even though yeah. some of the things were clearly obvious, but then there was other nuances in the film that I was like, wow, I was really surprised about. So one of the think pieces that I really enjoyed was um, from someone named Marius Groover from Facebook. I think I said his name right. <laughs> um, one of the points that he kind of mentioned was that when Chris was like basically chained to the chair because they were going to perform an operation on him and it was called the transformation um the the tv will come on and it will flick with the with the grandfather talking about what the transformation is and pierre's going to get into that later and also there was another part of it where um there was an artist there or not an artist but he yeah he was an artist but he was blind and he wanted Chris's eyes, so that was where the transformation was going to take place. Just giving a little background to why he was chained to the armchair and he was watching the different flicks that came on. And what happened is, during the film, he was hypnotized by his girlfriend's mother. And the trick with the hypnotism was, it was like a teacup, teacup. and a spoon. I can't I'm even look at it the teacup. same way, because it was like <laughs> weird. I'm like, how did that cause him to knock out and get into this sunken place? In any event... He was chained to the chair and then piece of the chair was coming apart. There was like cotton part of it. And he actually took the cotton out and clogged his ears. So when the film came back on, not the film, but the part that came back on with the teacup and he was supposed to be hypnotized, he was not bothered by it at all. He didn't, he wasn't really affected. He played as if he was hypnotized so that he could be unconscious or be perceived as unconscious. So I thought that was very interesting because when you think about you know, the whole context of cotton and the historic, historical meaning behind it, like in regards to how slaves had to pick cotton while they were enslaved. That was like the thing to do at that time. Um, it's so amazing how in that moment that turned out to be something to kind of save his life. It's kind of, it's kind of ironic in a sense. So I thought it was very interesting to really kind of focus on that point and how that it was cotton that kind of saved him. In that within that instance and also another part of it that I um, picked up on was when he was chained to the chair um, Rose grandfather came on the film and what happened was prior to that when Chris had came to the house the father had said that the grandfather was bothered that he lost the race to Jesse Owens in the 1936 Olympics so because of that, his his grand his father was like fixated with black men physique and their stature and everything of that sort because this black man outwon him in an Olympics, which is like impossible because for a black man to win over a white man, like are you serious? Especially around that time frame. So with that being said, um the grandfather was really jealous about being beat by being beat by a black man that an envious in some aspect that he created he was the mastermind behind this whole transformation thing which is really crazy because it was like wow like you were really bothered by the fact that you know you were outsmarted or beaten by a black man in this instance and you couldn't just take that l and just keep it pushing you revolved your whole life around it not only your whole life but your family life around it and that be kind of that becomes a central focus of the film 
and also how black men are perceived and how their physical stature or them being an athlete is more of a priority more than their mind or their intellect, which is very problematic, which is still going on in today's day and age. So I thought that was a very interesting um, part to pick up on a film. Pierre, did you notice anything? Um, yeah, I. one of the things I noticed was towards the end of the movie, and this actually breaks my heart because I was rooting for their relationship. I thought they, they were cute. And I'm like... Wait, at what point were you rooting for her? When she couldn't find the keys? Yeah. <laughs> when she was looking for the keys, when Chris pretty much found out that something was off, this family's trying to kill him, and he was trying to get out, his girlfriend Rose was in her bags looking for the keys, and I'm like getting goosebumps actually thinking about that part right now, and then she pulled out the keys, and she was like, Chris, you know I can't give you these keys. I was like, are you kidding me right now? Because I really genuinely believed she had no idea what was going on, and I love that because it was it was actually a twist which I didn't see coming, and I usually like pride myself on catching all these little twists in movies, but yeah. Back to what we were talking about. Um, One of the really interesting parts about the film was they showed a scene where Rose was just sitting down in her bedroom and she was eating, uh, I believe, Fruit Loops. But the funny thing about it, she had the Fruit Loops in one bowl and the cup of milk in another bowl. And it kind of alluded to keeping the colors segregated from the white. So I just thought that was pretty good imagery. And then while she was sitting there eating the colored Fruit Loops and then sipping on the milk afterwards. She was simultaneously doing a Google search for top NCAA prospects. So this kind of goes back to what you were talking about. They, The family was basically prowling for just black men, but not for their intellect, but because of their physical gifts or, or whatever you want to say, their genetic makeup. And I just think that's I find that very interesting because, like with slavery, black people have been used for our bodies and just to put to work. It's not like there were, like you said, there's not a big value. I'm sorry, did you say slaves or immigrants? I said, I said slaves. Oh, okay. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Continue. That that was definitely some shade toward. No shade, I'm just keeping it a hundred. Dr. Carson, we'll, we'll get to that that a little bit later. Um, yeah, and so it, during this same scene, which had a lot of imagery going on, she was listening to I forget the name of the song, but the lyrics was essentially saying, "I've had a time of my life," and it basically alluded to the fact that she was screwing over all these black men and the one woman she screwed over in the movie because she was essentially the family's like go-to getter she would actually go out and find these black men seduce them preying on them yeah seduce them bring them back to the house and then prepare them to become slaves for the family so they can sell them so yeah that that was pretty heartbreaking for me I was I was team Rose for a little bit. But you know what's funny? Like that scene, I I really did not catch that she was like separating the cereal from. Her. I was like, damn, this is a little too deep. Like very very detailed, which I think it's it's important. But I think what got me was when she was online looking for athletes, and I was like, are you serious right now? Like that is like whoa. Like I get it, but that's the part that really got me. I didn't really 
I didn't catch the whole serial thing, but yeah, valid argument. Continue. So I just also, I want to just kind of briefly just give a quick shout out to Jordan Peele. He's the director and the writer of the film. And some of you may know him as the other half of Key and Peele. So they're comedians. They do sketch comedy. They have a show on Comedy Central. Yeah. And I just think he did an amazing job. There was just so much... There's so many layers to the film, and it being his first film that he wrote and produced, I think he did an excellent job. And getting back to your point about the mom hypnotizing Chris, the I just love the scene of him falling into the couch after he got hypnotized by the mom, and he falls into what they call during the movie the sunken place, where it's essentially a black void where there's no sound you can't hear anything and all you you can't speak so essentially you become a passenger in your own body so your body is there your body's working but you're like you're basically in a black hole just witnessing what's happening through your body through your eyes but you have no control over it no motor function and reading some of these think pieces they Essentially, that sunken place, a lot of people are comparing it to systemic racism throughout just the workplace or everyday life for people of color. And I, I kind of can relate to that because when you're in the sunken place in the movie, you're aware of what's going on around you, but you really can't do anything about it. You're basically a victim. You you basically are just watching what's happening to you and no matter how much you want to you 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 can't you can't do anything about it and i i don't know i just find that i thought they just portrayed that beautifully do you have anything you want to add on like, yeah it, it was definitely done i thought it was done very well because it's very valid it's it's interesting how this is kind of it comes off as a horror film but it's our reality it's a lot of our reality in some aspects. Some of us can relate to this film in some kind of way, which, you know, kind of dispels the whole concept of it being a horror film, in my mind at least. But there is a lot of things that were done throughout this film that makes you re- reflect and reevaluate in terms of where we're at as a culture and this whole thing about systematic racism <clears throat> and the sunken place. And I always question, like, it, it kind of creates a divide of, I feel like the more you're sunken into this place, is the more unwoke you are. And the people who are woke are not really sunk in. And even to some extent, even if you're woke, you're still sunk. because you But you know how to maneuver through certain aspects of it, depending on where you're at in the context of what kind of racism you're dealing with, it, whether it's in a workplace or it's just a common conversation with someone else or whatever the case may be. So I thought that was very interesting, and it's scary watching it. Like, even with the dude, when he was at the the, the family gathering, and I think it was Walter, the first guy that was snatched in the beginning. Yeah. And it was like, wow, like, you know, this transformation happened, and, like, inside, the real you want to say something, do something, but you can't because you're being controlled, you know? And it talks about this whole concept of us being controlled and kind of being enslaved to our own bodies, in a sense, which is, I feel like it's happening now. But... It was just so crazy to me, especially with that scene when he kind of, with the picture in the flash, he like, he was yelling at him to get out. But I feel like 
his inner person, the black dude inside of him was telling him, warning him in that instance, you need to leave. Get out now. You see how I look. And he was from Brooklyn. And he had that wardrobe. Even a dude from the, his friend in the film was like, yo, look at him. You know, so I thought that was very interesting within its own right. And it's scary because I don't really view it as a horror film like that because it's like, this is our reality. And it's something that we need to work on, like really deconstructing these kind of forms of racism that we we deal with day in and day out and how we act and how we respond. And when we, we act a certain type of way, then we fall within a stereotypical framework or box. And, you know, so it's, it's rather you just stay in a sunken place and just deal with what's happening. And also another part, part of the film, too, was towards the end with um, Walter was one of the help for the family and come to find out he went through the transformation and he was in fact the grandfather remember he was running at night and that was kind of crazy um but what got me was that part where he killed himself it's like i'd rather die than have you control me you know and it kind of ties it back into slavery in terms of how much of us will actually stay enslaved and be like you know what i'd rather sacrifice my life than to have you control me and take over me so i thought it was some very valid important parts in that movie and it really stuck with me and it's honestly i re- really would like to see it again because it just a lot of things resonated with me and i feel like it's it's really <laughs> really really um it's i can't find the word i don't know what's going on i think it's it's really valid to what's happening now where we're at as a culture and where we're at as a society but um and it bothers me if i see like someone say like a person of color black person be like oh it's over exaggerated or it was not necessarily it wasn't a it was overhyped or i was disappointed i see it like this if you walked away with that kind of mindset from that film it's either you missed the messages and i ain't talking about one like all of them <laughs> Or you just in a sunken place. And that's something we need to deconstruct. Because if you in a sunken place, you don't need to be commenting on you being disappointed about this movie. This is people's reality. This is not, you know, it may seem a horror film, but it's not. So that was my take on it. Um, And also the songs that were played, the soundtracks. In the beginning of the film, I actually was not aware, but actually found out that um, coming in the beginning of the film and the ending of the film was a Swahili song that was playing. And when you listen to it, it's basically saying, listen to the ancestors and run away. And I thought that was very, very interesting that Jordan Peele was very strategic with how he played that song yeah. from the beginning to the end. Yeah. And there was another song that was played as well in the film. Yeah, so right in the beginning of the movie, when you first get introduced to Chris and his girlfriend, they were playing the song Childish Gambino's Redbone. And one of just the prominent lyrics in the song is saying stay woke and yeah I thought that just fit beautifully with just the theme of the movie and everything that was going on and for those listeners who out there may not know what woke necessarily means it's essentially saying someone who's privy or aware of racism or just what's going on in reality and what's just what's happening in their world and around them to be conscious of it and to be able to navigate that. So in the sense of a, a African-American person who's woke, it's someone who basically they're aware that there are social injustices, things that are going on in the world that aren't right, but you have to be aware of that to be able to navigate that, navigate it and come out on top still. So yeah, it was pretty dope hearing them play Childish Gambino. Um, 
but I just want to say one more thing about the movie. My favorite part was the end because I was like, this dude, Chris, went through hell and high water. I was pretty much sure he was going to die. And he was able to get out of the place. He literally, oh my God, he was bleeding, almost gone. But then he got confronted by the ex-girlfriend. And as he's like choking her out on the floor to (laughs) finally put the nail on the coffin. (laughs) No, no, no. My favorite part was when the police car came. Because I literally, when I tell you, my heart dropped right in the middle of my chair. I was like, this dude went through hell and he's about to go to jail. It's over. It's done for him. And when his friend came out the car, like, when I tell you, like, I started, like, the movie theater just erupted in cheers. I was so happy. Same. And I just think it speaks a lot about the fact that just the relationship that the African community, African-American community has with law enforcement the fact that i saw a police officer police car come to the house i instantly thought it's over there's nothing of course they're not going to believe him he's at fault right he's a black man what do you expect for him to actually be in a right in this case i was ready to write him off like hey he probably did something wrong yeah. in that case and i just think that speaks a lot to just what's going on in the climate especially nowadays and i just think they Jordan did the movie beautifully. So, yeah, that was my favorite part. I think it ended perfectly. Yeah, it did. It ended really well. And also to add on that, that the savior who came and saved him was another black man. Because normally you don't see that in films. You know that? Yeah. The coming to save the day, kind of being the hero. So I thought that was very important. And I enjoyed it. And if you have not seen it yet, please go see the film and go support it. It's a wonderful film. We're going to switch gears a little bit. And since we're still on the sunken place topic... You know, we don't want to go too far off, you know. So let's talk about Ben Carson for a little bit because he's in a sunken place. (laughs) (laughs) He's someplace, honey. So, um, you know, we all know that he has been confirmed as a secretary of housing and urban development. And it's like one of his first weeks on the job. And on March 6th, according to the New York Times, um, he conducted his first his first speech to hundreds of assembled department employees. During his speech, he stated, that's what America is about, a land of dreams and opportunity, he said. There were other immigrants who came here in the bottom of slave ships, worked even longer, even harder for less. But they too had a dream that one day their sons, daughters, grandsons, granddaughters, great-grandsons, great-granddaughters might pursue prosperity and happiness in this world. So he's basically saying that slaves were immigrants. So, P, I want to get your take on that. Because you already know, but I'm going to let you go first. Um, yeah, I think just to... I'm going to piggyback on a theme that you've kind of got me <laughs> present to. About basically being conscious of what you're saying and what you're doing and how it affects the future generations, the young people. Mm-hmm. And I think... We were actually talking about this prior to the show, but you said it perfectly. The young people are watching. They watch the election. They're watching what's going on now, especially with social media and the news. Everything's so easily accessible. And to basically describe slaves who were brought to this country for manual labor, dehumanized, to describe them as immigrants, I think, is reckless and it's just wrong. Um, 
It's disheartening because yeah. I think terminology and words are important and we have to understand it tied in what you say about the younger generation. The younger generation has witnessed a black man as president. So in their minds, they're going to be expected to see that years down the road. They're going to think or assume that we're going to get another black person in as president. It may happen. You know, we could keep hope alive and whatever the case may be, but it may not be the case. For people like me and you who are like millennials and prior to millennials, you know, having Obama in as a president is like, wow, that was hope. That was change. Yeah. We may not see that again. You know, that's there's not a guarantee or it may come, you know, it may not be another black person or person of color. And if it does happen, it may be years down the line. Right. So for you as a black man, Ben Carson, to be in this prominent position and for you to uphold such a speech and for you to say something like that. He belittles the struggle, the sacrifices, and so much stuff that has happened in slavery. And it's still, which is embedded in our communities now. And it really bothers me that he can say that they're immigrants. I don't get that. You know what I'm saying? There are immigrants that came from other countries to this country for a better life. I don't recall them being in the bottom of boats and being starved and tortured. I don't recall them being raped on the way, (laughs) being killed on the way. I don't recall their names changing. I don't recall them working on plantations and being beaten and lynched to death. I mean, if that's your definition of an immigrant, well, we got to talk about this. And I think it's really problematic because he belittles their experience. And it bothers me because, you know, when we talk about the younger generation and what the case may be, a lot some of us don't know our history. We don't understand the extent of slavery. We don't even understand how long it lasts. People think, oh, it was a couple years ago. It ain't that bad. Not even a couple years ago. Centuries ago. It's not a big deal. Not really understanding the implications that it have in our current society and our culture, especially within a black community and how broken we still are. As much as we try to come together, we are still broken because of that. Our families were ripped apart and on the auction block because of that. You want to talk about the auction block? That was brought up in the film, Get Out, when Chris was being sold to the artist that was blind in Bingo. And you're going to sit up here, you know, to bring it back to Ben Carson's comment and say that they were immigrants. It's like, really? And you're in this position and you're a black man. So I was really bothered by that. And it really got under my skin. And I think he needs to really work on the things that he say moving forward and really reevaluate how he approaches speeches and what he's going to use. If your perception is slaves or immigrants, don't bring it up in no speech. Don't even go talk about it in a back room with somebody and make them help you deconstruct what it means. But for you to come out and say that, and then other people are going to fall in line like, oh, yeah, they were just immigrants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he said it, so it has to be true. Right. And he's a black man. He's so a doctor. He's a doctor. <laughs> like, he knows what he's talking he about. He knows exactly <laughs> what he's talking about. So it's, I was really bothered by that. And you know what I really want to know is like, should we take a picture of him with a flash? <laughs> or nah? I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not throwing shade. I'm just keeping it 100 because I feel like he's in a sunken place. So for for those of you who didn't see the movie, when you're in the sunken place, it a little quirk of that hypnotism is that if you get hit with a flash, the the person who's essentially locked in their own body and not able to control anything, they escape for a brief moment and Very they're able brief. to react. Some people have alluded that Kanye West is in the sunken place, and that's why ever since he's gotten with the Kardashians, whenever paparazzi takes pictures of him, he starts flipping out because his real Kanye West is trying to trying to come back out. 
I love you, Kyan. I'm just gonna sip my tea. <laughs> <laughs> you a hot mess for that one. Um, but no, reality is back to um, kind of bringing it back in terms of Ben Carson's comment. It was really hurtful, and there was a lot of different people who spoke out about it, especially um, Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> of course, you know he had a tweet. The um, MF word, <laughs> I want to be a little PG-13 on this, he didn't hold any bars. Um, and Eric Dyson also said something about it. So I do think he needs to be mindful of what he says moving forward. And if and if he is not knowledgeable about what he's saying and what terminology not to use, and don't bring up certain topics like that in a speech, I'm not sure how his speech turned into that. I get, you know, in some aspects of us living the American dream and whatever the case may be, but for you to correlate that to slave or slavery in any way, to me, that was just wrong commentary. And he could have did a better job in that. And he should have worked on developing his speech more. I, I really like what you said about the, just the awareness. Like you said, some people didn't know slavery or didn't don't really have a real context of when slavery took place, what really happened. And I just think that's huge. Just having that sense of awareness because I can, I'll ask someone of African descent, like, hey, what's your ethnicity? Where are you from? And they'll tell me, like, yeah, um, my family's from Georgia. And it kind of hurts me when I hear stuff like that because I'm like, well, your family, they they may have been brought here and they ended up in Georgia, but your heritage, your ancestry actually goes back much further than that. And a lot of us are really disconnected from that. So, yeah, I think you, you said it perfectly. It, it was very irresponsible of Ben Carson to say something like that because you it can just be taken out of context and especially when you're not aware of anything you're, you're just going to take whatever you hear as facts so yeah and I don't the thing is it's just some also to kind of end on that it's just I hope whoever heard his speech they're not going to take it and run with it and be like oh he's right like, as we said before, we was joking around, but, you know, someone could say, well, he's a doctor and he's a black man in this position, so he must know that to be true. And I really hope that they don't take it and run with it and do their research. Um, do not take what he say and think that it's, it's facts. It's, in that case, it's alternative facts. <laughs> so that's something that we need to really work on. But we're going to switch gears a little bit and make the topic a little lighthearted. We got a little deep there, Pierre. Honestly, I was just taking a back seat. You, you were just... I was feeling that from you. you there was like energy, there was a little steam. Hold on, let me. Because you know, he got me a little hot with that speech, honey. But we back now, we good. So we're going to switch it up a little bit. Um, and Pierre did say in the very beginning that he went on vacation. He went to New Orleans and California. So can you please tell us what it was like? I've never been to both places, either places. So please elaborate on what your experience was like. What did you do? Oh damn! <laughs> this trip, it was a. Were you my? This is my thing. A serious question. Were you torn or twerking? I just just want to know. A little bit of a both. A little bit of both. All a right. Bit of All both. right. So just like a quick background, I actually I was planning to go to South Africa with my friend, my best friend, Armel. I see you. I was planning to go to South <laughs> Africa with him, but we kind of decided we needed to plan a little bit more before we actually made that trip because that's somewhere I really want to visit. Like, I've traveled a lot, and I feel like I haven't reached Africa yet, so that's something, it's on my priority list. Yeah. So, it was a last-minute switch. We decided to do Mardi Gras and then do California. 
Um, Can you explain Mardi Gras to me? Like, how often does it happen? I feel like it's like every three weeks or something. Or am mm-hmm. I bugging out? So they kn- they definitely know how to party in New Orleans, but Mardi Gras is once a year. Okay. So okay. It it's pre- only once a year. It pretty much takes place the entire month of February. So they're having parades all throughout the year, and it's like a big party time mm-hmm. for the city and the state. And so it's not like a one week thing. It's throughout the whole month. It's, it, okay. Yeah, it's throughout the whole month, and it all culminates on Mardi Gras, yeah. which is French for Big Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So that Tuesday is the the last parade and like the last party weekend, and that's the weekend that I got to go, and it was insane. I if you've never done it before, at first I I didn't. I didn't really know what to expect, and when I got there, I wasn't really feeling it. But then after a couple of drinks, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. It's just Only a, a couple? Yeah, just, <laughs> just a couple to start it off. But after a couple of drinks, I realized it was pretty much a big, drunken bar crawl. Like, that's what it was. People were in the streets, drinking, eating pizza, flashing each other, throwing beads around. I love the beads. I have like a little bead What collection. is the symbolism behind the beads? To be honest, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I thought I had to flash people to get beads. Apparently not. I thought it was it was pretty fun though. As you're walking through Bourbon Street in that French Quarter area, there's like a bunch of balconies over all the restaurants, over yeah. all the stores, and there're just people on the balconies just literally just, just throwing, like yeah. throwing beads down at you. I think they 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 took it like a game. They were just like, yeah, dance for it, dance, dance. Yeah. But I was jumping up, hey, give me a bead, throw me something. So yeah. it was fun collecting the different beads and just interacting with people. It, it was... I heard the food out there is crazy good. Like, was it? Is that true? To be honest... Oh, you don't recall. I No, I do. I really didn't care for the food that much. Like, I did enjoy the oysters. Those were Why? delicious. They were just What was fresh. different from the ones up here? You know what? I'm not a big oyster eater, but because I was down south and mm-hmm. oysters are big down there, I decided to just indulge yeah. in it. But I did enjoy that. But to be honest, the other stuff like the beignets, the crawfish, I didn't really care for it. And a lot, okay. of, the, a lot of the food I ate, I felt was like salty too salty felt like my sodium levels were like elevating got a little high blood pressure from eating that so well do you think you feel that way because like you're on this whole new health trip and you're trying to eat more healthier so to be honest probably i feel like i've been trying to watch what i eat and when i went down there it just i felt it right away yeah but felt heavy right but at the yeah. same time, though, I feel like we were kind of in, like, the Times Square equivalent to um, New Orleans. So, like, Bourbon okay. Street was similar to Times Square. Okay. So, if you come to New York and you hear the food's pretty good, you don't really think of Times Square as a yeah. place to go get the food. And my actual the Uber driver, when we were coming from the airport, she said it perfectly. If you really want good food, you better find someone's house to go to and yeah. eat there. So... I definitely, At least she's being honest. Yeah, so I definitely didn't... I probably didn't get the real down... Yeah. Like, home cooking or, like, go to the best restaurant because we kind of stayed in that tourist mm-hmm. area, Bourbon Street, French Quarters. But overall, definitely a great experience. Something you got to do once. 
I'm getting a little bit older, so like these All drunken right. bar crawls probably won't be happening again but probably for the next 10 years knowing you me no. <laughs> i'm a homebody now right <laughs> right what was the like the vibe there i guess you know of course when mardi gras people were hype and stuff but like what is like the initial vibe and culture of new orleans like can you speak to that like um music was very big down there and i'm, I'm someone who loves music yeah so I stopped and like watched. A jazz scene. Yes, yeah. watched a lot of street performances, and you could just hear all the people who were performing. Mm-hmm. Just you could hear, you could feel the soul coming from them. Like oh, wow. like the crowds were just huge. People were just dancing. There was like this one scene that I'm thinking about right now. It was like twelve o'clock in the afternoon, and there was like a big band just playing music on the mm. street. And this old man, he had to be like. 75 years old he looked so cool he had his fedora on his shades and he was just like gyrating his hips and like tapping his feet yeah he literally barely was moving at all like he looked like a hip was about to break break (laughs) off if you moved too hard but he just felt the music he looked like he was just a local and yeah he was just so into it so i think that's awesome because new orleans and just down south Mm -hmm. has like a lot of history when it comes to jazz and just music in general so it was awesome being able to experience that and see that cool and then you end up going to cali yeah so how was that that was my favorite part of the trip okay i got to check out hollywood santa monica uh was this your first time at cali no it's probably my fourth time oh okay yeah we did a little hiking and it was just great i i love california like i know i'm from the east coast but there's something about the vibe over there. It's so relaxed, so laid back. Everyone's just very chill. And it's just, oh, man, it's just relaxing. Do you think you'll ever live over there? To be honest, I'm scared of, like, earthquakes and forest fires. So I, 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 don't, know if I, could yeah. make, I don't know if I could make that yeah. move permanent. But some, someone I was speaking to out there that I met... They basically said when it comes to California, you pr- it's so big and you have to drive everywhere that you yeah. go and like nightlife ends around two o'clock. So it's really about finding your, your niche and where you fit in mm-hmm. there. And once you find that niche, the bars you like to go to, the restaurants or the neighborhood you like to spend time in, yeah. once you really find that, it's like, it's like a perfect fit for you. Like I'm getting goosebumps because I feel like if I did move there and I found like the scene that I like, yeah. I could just see myself falling in love with it and never wanting to come back. It's like nice weather, working now, going to the beach. Yeah, it was awesome. Definitely. I mean, I've heard mixed reviews with Cali. I've heard people who moved out there and they may not, it took a while for them to adjust coming from the East Coast and I've heard that it's slightly overrated, I guess, depending on where you live at. I think LA, I've heard that it's pretty pretentious. Like, Maybe San Diego or San Francisco is a little bit more, like, down-to-earth in some aspects. And then I've heard people who say that it's, it's a wonderful environment to be at. I mean, it takes a while to adjust, but they have liked it. And because it has a laid-back feel to it, yeah, I could see you living out there because you have a laid-back, like, your whole attitude is like, chill, let's go with the flow. And it's like, okay. So I could see you being out there, hence why I asked. But I'm glad you had a good time out there. Thank you, thank you. And if... Anyone out there, 
if the, you guys are a marijuana user, it's legal in Cali, and that kind of freaked me out, walking around, seeing people on the corner just smoking. I was like, holy shit, what's going on? Uh, do they know that they're doing something legal? And I was like, oh, oh yeah, it's legal here now. So that that was pretty interesting, too, just seeing how that's kind of come, yeah. and it went from just medical to now it's recreational, so anyone can do it, yeah. so... I feel like we're in like a crazy time. Things are changing and like the world is not the same as it was five years ago. So it's pretty interesting just watching that and just seeing how different parts of the world are moving and developing. So yeah, yeah. definitely. That's, that's what I love most about traveling. Just being able to put myself into the shoes of other people, whether it's a different country, a different state, different continent, whatever the case may be just it i feel like it opens up your perspective yeah and it does so yeah that's that's why i'm so big about traveling traveling is a wonderful thing and i definitely think you know if anyone has time and the means to like put aside your money save up and definitely explore other cultures and stuff like that it gives you like you said differently it gives you a different perspective on life and where you're at and also like you get to see how other people are living in different parts of the world or maybe in other states and continents, whatever the case may be. So I think that's very important. And I'm really a big advocate of traveling and just getting out there and leaving the boroughs and leaving New York. Like, yeah, just actually, you know, traveling and going around and really accepting other cultures and stuff like that. I think it's very fascinating. And I'm a foodie, so I love going other places and trying new foods and stuff like that, especially if it's something I would not be able to get in New York, which is rare because I feel like we have everything here. Every kind of culture is infused and stuff like that but i'm a big advocate of traveling so definitely save up your coins and go so everyone that is the end of our show thank you so much for tuning in i hope you enjoyed it as much as we did um tune in next week we'll be having our other show and we look forward to hearing from you guys please follow us on our social media platforms which is instagram twitter and we're working on the facebook we're almost there, but we're getting there. Soon come. Yeah, definitely thank you for tuning in, guys. And I hope we didn't spoil anything. I hope you guys, if you didn't see the movie Get Out, you didn't let us ruin it for you because it's so good and you got to see it. <sighs> and if we did, oh well. Still go, <laughs> Still see, go it. see it. Because yeah. there's other parts of it that we did not discuss and it may have did something for you and changed your life in some way. So please go and go support it and go see it. And... Yeah, we love you guys. Bye.